Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number six. We have seven headlines to get to, all coming from the week of February 6th. So let's get started. Headline number one comes from the Post Millennial. Parents in Nevada are suing their local school district and several school employees, claiming their 15-year-old daughter was required to memorize and act out, quote, an obscene sexual activity as a class assignment, end quote. The story comes from Clark County School District in Nevada and began in March of 2022. Apparently, the 15-year-old girl was in theater class and had to memorize and perform a monologue that was written by other students and approved by her teacher. The monologue was about a girl telling her boyfriend that she was a lesbian and that she didn't like his male body part or any male's body part for that matter. The girl's mother spoke at a school board meeting in May of 2022 and read aloud the monologue that her daughter was required to perform at school. It reads as follows, and I'll skip over the foul language so you can just use your good judgment as to what's being said here. Quote, I don't love you. It's not you. It's just your blank. I don't like your blank or any blank in that case, end quote. As the mother read the monologue in front of the school board, her microphone was turned off and she was asked not to use that kind of language. Uh, yeah, you're right. She shouldn't be using that kind of language and neither should children in school. That's the whole point. But go back to where this all started and try putting yourself in that girl's shoes. She's given a monologue as part of this class. She felt uncomfortable, was pressured to complete the assignment or else. So we can't expect kids as adults, we can't expect kids to take on this fight and push back against sexually inappropriate materials in school. Not for a 15 year old, certainly not for five and six year olds. As for the teacher, this is just clearly awful judgment to approve dialogue like this. It didn't come from a textbook. It came from other students, you know, but whatever happened to learning about virtue and beauty and truth and morals and wisdom? Instead, it's more sexualization of students. And, you know, this is the state of state schools. Headline number two comes from the Washington Times. The Virginia House passed a bill that would ban schools from hiding a student's gender transition from their parents. This headline follows up on a story I mentioned in episode four surrounding a 14-year-old girl named Sage from Virginia. Sage identified as transgender at school, but nobody at the school ever notified her parents. Sage used a male name and male pronouns at school and said that, quote, all the girls there were bi, trans, lesbian, and emo, end quote. After being attacked in a school bathroom, Sage ran away from home only to be sex trafficked in D.C. and Baltimore. Sage was then held at a boys' 
juvenile home in Maryland and kept from her parents, allegedly because her parents were abusively misgendering her. Sage then ran away from the boys' juvenile facility in Maryland, only to be sex trafficked for a second time, this time in Texas. Texas officials finally returned Sage to her parents, and Sage later on said that she was never a boy, she just wanted friends. So House Bill 2432, which is known as Sage's Law, passed the Virginia House with a vote of 50 to 48, with zero Democrats voting in favor. If passed, the bill would require school employees to notify parents if a student is self-identifying as, quote, a gender different from the student's biological sex, end quote. And it would clarify that treating children based on their biological sex does not constitute abuse or neglect. Virginia Democrats opposing the bill stated that the bill would result in, quote, forcibly outing transgender students, end quote. The bill now goes to the state Senate, where Democrats hold a 22 to 18 majority. So this is what I mean when I say that some schools are systematically removing parents from their children. There's another story in the current news cycle about a non-binary middle school teacher in Maryland who purposely hides a student's gender transition from their parents, claiming it's in line with district policy. My mandatory teacher training with Chicago Public Schools told of an eighth grade student in the public school system who was out as trans at school, but not out at home. And none of the teachers or administrators in the school were telling the parents about it. Opposing this bill means that parents don't get to know what's going on and they don't need to know what's going on. Only the school needs to know. Parents will harm the gender transition process. Teachers will help. Parents won't affirm the transgender child. The quote unquote experts know what's best. It's just unimaginable to me that children can have different genders, different names, secret identities at school, and the teachers at school are in on the secret, and who's left out? The parents are left out. And it's not like, it's not like little Jimmy fell off the swing set at recess, and we just didn't tell the parents that he fell off the swing set. These are life-altering, intimate, mental, emotional, and sexual details in a kid's life. Not only that, but if parents aren't told about it, who's monitoring these private conversations between the children and the adults in school? This is what grooming looks like. Keeping anything from parents is immoral, it's confusing and harmful for the child, and quite frankly, it's predatory behavior. Headline number three comes from Montana Free Press. A Montana bill would prohibit schools from promoting gender transitions and would also ban, quote-unquote, gender-affirming care to minors. Senate Bill 99 would prohibit the use of public funds, facilities, and resources from promoting gender transitioning, which means under this bill, schools can't promote gender transitions, can't use preferred pronouns, can't use a student's transgender name, and cannot encourage students to dress in different clothes just to match their gender identity. The bill would also ban quote unquote gender affirming care for minors in the state of Montana. Healthcare facilities would be penalized for providing puberty blockers, hormone therapies, or procedures such as mastectomies to minors who are seeking to quote, align their appearance and presentation with their gender identity, end quote. 
The bill cleared a Senate vote earlier this week, 28 to 21, with zero support from the Democrats. The bill must pass another round of votes in order to advance to the House. So this is kind of similar to the Virginia bill that we just talked about, Sage's Law. Sage's Law is more about telling parents what's happening. You have to tell the parents. And this Montana bill is more about stopping medical procedures on minors and not promoting gender transitions in schools. So similar, but a little different. Headline number four comes from The Post Millennial. A middle school girl in New Hampshire was harassed and bullied by her, quote, gender fluid male lesbian, end quote, and quote unquote furry classmates after sharing school bathrooms and locker rooms. The 13-year-old girl once saw her classmate, a biological male who identifies as a quote unquote gender fluid male lesbian while he was in the girl's restroom urinating with the stall door open. When the girl complained to administrators about the bathroom issue, she was told to use the unisex bathroom if she was uncomfortable sharing. The girl claims the quote unquote gender fluid classmate bullied her in the following weeks, making rude comments about her body. On another occasion, the same male classmate, along with a group of students who identify as furries, which means they identify as animals, once entered the girls' locker room and watched the girls change clothes. This story took place last calendar year in New Hampshire. It's back in the news now because the girl's mother recently spoke before the New Hampshire House Judiciary Committee in favor of House Bill 396, which, quote, seeks to preserve the state's ability to differentiate between biological sexes in areas such as athletic competitions, prisons, restrooms, or places of intimate privacy, end quote. New Hampshire currently allows individuals to choose their gender on their driver's license. So this bill would require identifying an individual's biological sex as opposed to an individual's self-declared gender. So my first thought is, why is it okay to tell the biological girl to use the unisex bathroom, but we can't tell the biological male to use the unisex bathroom? I think Candace Owens made the statement once that it's so progressive that it's regressive. Also, this was part of my struggle teaching. I didn't use preferred pronouns with students because I'm not going to lie to a student. I'm not going to participate in the dysphoria or their confusion or delusion or whatever it is and tell a girl she's a boy or tell a boy he's a girl. The Bible says God created the male and female. If you reject that or reject God, that's your decision. But all that's going to be left is this chaos and this confusion. Romans 1 and 28 says, As they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Headline number five comes from Fox Baltimore. 93% of third through eighth graders in the city of Baltimore tested below grade level in math, despite receiving some of the highest funding in the country. The Maryland State Department of Education released 2022 test results and found that 23 schools in the city did not have a single student performing at grade level. Currently, Baltimore is spending about $21,000 per student per year, which is about $7,000 or 50% higher than the national average. 
Just for comparison, the average homeschool family spends around $600 per student per year. So while there are many factors that contribute to this educational crisis, my big takeaway is that more funding does not equal a better education. Here, Baltimore is in the top five nationally in terms of funding per student, and they have some of the worst results. Then compare that with homeschoolers who spend around $600 per student, and homeschoolers outrank public and private school students in virtually every metric. So the answer seems to be more family, not more funding. Headline number six comes from Fox News. An elementary school in Washington state promotes its Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, or BIPOC, mentor group that excludes white students from joining. The school's BIPOC group is currently for fifth graders, but it's preparing to expand to fourth graders as well. A spokesperson for the school district said about the school's group, quote, it serves students by providing opportunities for peer interaction and a space for social, emotional, and academic support, end quote. So the group creates opportunities for peer interaction by excluding white peers from interaction? Got it. The spokesperson continued, quote, moving forward, we will ensure that school leadership and staff are specific about the purpose of these groups while simultaneously removing any exclusions to participate, end quote. So the statement seems to mean that the exclusion of white students will be removed, but the purpose of the BIPOC group remains the same. According to an email sent by the school's principal, the BIPOC mentor group is, quote, limited to students who identify as black, indigenous, or people of color, end quote. So on one hand, the principal says the group is limited to black, indigenous, and people of color, which means excluding white students. While on the other hand, the spokesperson says they're removing exclusions. Uh, in episode one, I covered a private school in Chicago who has a very similar group called the Students of Color Affinity Group. Um, it seems these racially segregated affinity groups are becoming more common. Headline number seven, our final one for this week, comes from the Daily Caller. A Maryland school system participated in their annual Black Lives Matter Week of Action. A group called Parents Defending Education obtained a copy of a Black Lives Matter lesson plan from Howard County Schools in Maryland. The lesson plan titled, quote, Diversity and Globalism, end quote, taught students about privileged and oppressed groups as well as structural inequalities. One of the lesson's learning objectives was for students to, quote, understand and advocate for the principles of Black Lives Matter, end quote. Part of the lesson required students to, quote, reflect on their level of privilege within a society, end quote, by completing a worksheet where they had to shade in their level of privilege. More shading equaled more privilege. Among the types of oppression listed were ableism, ageism, racism, sexism, and speciesism, which is oppression against animals, plants, and flora. School officials stated they did not use the external curriculum put out by the Black Lives Matter organization. However, the lesson did provide two resources. 
One was a link to Black Lives Matter posters, and the other was a link to the quote-unquote privileged or oppressed worksheet. I experienced teacher training with similar terminology when I was with Chicago Public Schools. You're either oppressed or you are the oppressor. So you send your kid to school and they come home either as a victim or as an evil person. Those are the only options. Forget academics. Today's lesson, kids, is privilege and globalism. And let's not forget that Black Lives Matter was founded by Marxists. And Marxism is an atheist ideology that advocates for the disruption of the Western prescribed nuclear family. And as part of this lesson, students were expected to understand and advocate for the principles of Black Lives Matter. How do you feel about that? All right, everybody, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. That's the State of State Schools.